0: ready to do this
1: thing.
2: I am so ready. Born ready.
0: We're bo- that's bold. <laughs> bold statement. You were born ready to be yeah. on Kingdom of First Podcast. Yep. That's, that's amazing. Um, I wasn't. I feel like every time <laughs> I start a new episode, I'm kind of like... <sighs> God damn! Do I have to think of a new idea? How do I how do I start these things? Like I every time, every time I'm like I should try something new and spicy, but there's no new way to do this.
2: No. Say
0: hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hi, welcome to Keto Thrust Podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly. I'm with HR Moore, otherwise known as Harriet. Hi, Harriet. Hello. <laughs> oh man, Harriet, we got a lot to talk about today because um, so how how we got hooked up, uh, was. When I was talking to Vela about doing the um, Once Upon a Forbidden Desire, wow, I chewed that title up. Really hard to say quickly. Really hard. Once Upon a Forbidden Desire. There we go. Um, anthology. And you were part of that. And we were talking about maybe having you on. We did two big episodes with um, the bunch of bunch of authors um, and then and then we were talking about it and I was like you know I, I don't think I can have Harriet on and she was like why and I was like well because I would want to talk about so much more than the anthology with Harriet specifically it would be a waste to have her on the podcast for those episodes because I wouldn't be able to talk to her about what I want to talk to her about um, so we set up a completely separate you get your own special little uh, bespoke podcast oh, just for you Harriet I feel very honored thank you Oh, well, thank you for being on. So, Harriet, what do you do? What, what do you write? What do I, I was going to say, what do I do? I don't, yes. I don't know. Um,
2: I do you do? <laughs> Harriet, answer the question. Okay, sorry, sorry, focus. <laughs> um, I write fantasy romance, surprisingly. Um, I write both paranormal slash urban fantasy romance and an our world mm-hmm. um, kind of epic contemporary fantasy mm-hmm. um, and also... Um, my current series that I'm working on at the moment is a epic fantasy, sword and sorcery, quest for dragons situation. Yes. Um, and I also like to dabble in other things like a bit of contemporary romance, um, a bit of sort, of sort of sci-fi, like near future um, sci-fi romance. You know, I like I just go wherever my interest takes me. But it always has yeah. romance and it always has some kind of almost always has some kind of fantastical element.
0: So you are, you are a, I mean, how, so you do, you do it all. So you're not just doing, um, like fantasy romance. You're doing like, you're doing urban fantasy, you do sci-fi, you do contemporary, like you do all of it, which I think is really interesting because you started this, I, like, I, I struggle to think of, it's a community certainly, but it started out as, as an event, right? Like it didn't start out as like a, as like a solid community thing. It was like a let's do a like a celebration right
2: Yes. so it started because i i mainly so i do all these things but i mainly write fantasy romance yeah that's what i love to read is what i always love to read right from things like the hunger games and um i never read twilight but i watched twilight and loved the movies um classic Classic. (laughs) things like a discovery of witches you know Mm -hmm. like those kind of books and then like tv series like outlander later you know all of those kind of things i just love because i love the fantasy i love the romance and i was as a reader i was frustrated because i knew that there were books out there that were like this i knew these you know these ones that had made it big and made onto our television screens were not the only things that were out there um i wanted to read more like that and i found it incredibly difficult to find Mm -hmm. books that i wanted to read and i was like okay well and equally as an author on the flip side of that, I was like, I write these books and I want to find readers. And there's there's really, it's really hard to find readers because it's not really a very well-defined genre.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, and we can talk about the difference between paranormal romance and fantasy romance. And, oh you know, my <laughs>
0: God, I, until we're blue in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And for me, I'm like, I, I was kind of like, I don't actually care. Like I, as a reader, I don't care. As an author, yeah. I kind of have to care, I guess, a bit. But I yeah. just want books that have fantasy and romance. Mm -hmm. that are exciting and you know pacey and plot twists and that's that's what i want um so anyway so i was like well okay i can't find these books and i want to read them so i know they're out there so i'm going to go really dig deep on amazon and just started trawling through amazon for other authors um and i was like oh do you know what would be really cool would be is if we could have some kind of event where we brought these authors together so that we could create a bit of buzz around the genre and then hopefully collectively we could reach more readers and we could kind of cross promote and we could yeah. start to elevate the genre. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was two years ago, uh, two and a half years ago when we first started. Um, and it's That's kind of so
0: crazy that. to me. I mean, so why... Events like that kind of happen all the time now on the internet, right like in our in our sphere, people are always doing like this is the month of whatever and we're you know we're doing this thing and it, it'll you know be, I don't know, virtual events and takeovers and stuff like that. But most of those um, events don't balloon into its own, like year-round community that now has an anthology it's got a discord server with hundreds of authors in it now at this rate right like yeah it's 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 quite a few i mean it's not just a i mean it's a blog too like that that can't be understated you guys are always doing that kind of stuff um i so what we're talking about here specifically is pharaoh feb which is uh, fantasy romance february and like the fact that it is only two years old and it has become this thing. It's I was trying to think of a way to describe it and I was like, Well, it's almost like it's almost like a fantasy romance writers guild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I like I'm expecting like two years from now I'll be it'll be like it's its own like miniature little like union where you like you pay dues and they're like you have a little com- your own little convention like <laughs> hell yeah dude I'd love to go to that that'd be so dope.
2: I mean it's been talked about. Don't worry, it has been, and I, kind of I have, have to-
0: zero <laughs> doubts, absolutely zero doubts. I I do want to know though, like did you? in any way expect your fun little event two years ago for the month of February trying to celebrate this and reach more readers and kind of find more authors that were writing the same things um, and, and to codify what fantasy romance was and what romantic fantasy was did you expect it to turn into this thing I mean no I don't think I did I think um I don't think I went into
2: it with any kind of expectations other than I would just love to try and elevate this genre and, yeah. and find books I want to read and find readers for my books. And, um you know, and I think the, the response from authors was really amazing because, mm-hmm. you know, if the authors had all been like, nah, I'm kind of busy. I don't really want to get involved in that. It's a new event. We're not really that into it. You know, nothing ever goes anywhere. And I think a lot of the authors, a, we were kind of, in lockdown so i think people were looking for ways to you know get themselves out there um and virtually you know in-person events weren't happening um but also i think i got really lucky with some of the early authors that i reached out to who were just so positive you know people like amanda boucher Mm -hmm. and um i didn't realize that yeah and like lots of kind of fairly well established um traditional or hybrid authors um, he yeah. were just like, yeah, cool, sounds great, let's do it. Um, and and then Jennifer Lawrence, you know, said that she would be involved, and I was like, oh, okay, it's like next level. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are some big names. Um, I'm like, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, huh, I probably would be if it, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like, oh, okay,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's quite cool. Um, yeah, I mean, and so I think you know. Obviously, authors were having the same frustration because if authors had been feeling like, oh, well, actually, I can find readers and it's not a big deal and, you know, I don't really... Then they wouldn't have been so inclined to get involved. Um, And I think, you know, after that first event, everyone kind of wanted more. And I'd met all of these authors and I was like, oh, this is a great chance to create a community. You know, we've already kind of got the start of a community. Um, Why don't we just kind of set up a Discord server and see where we, you know, see what we can do. And actually yeah. people like Vela Roth were um, some of our kind of first early members and Colleen Cowley and, wow. um yeah, and SL Prater and Lizette Marshall and people like that who had kind of found us through the event and who who weren't necessarily even involve, involved in the event. Um, and that was like our hub early on. We only had, you know, in the early days it was kind of 15, 20 authors. Yeah. Um, and then it just, it just grew from there.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it, I think that is, it, we are in this really weird moment right now where we are the, the internet has always been very unstable, right? Like the internet is by its very nature, by its design, ephemeral things both last forever on the internet. Once it's out there, it's out there forever, but they also can be gone in a second. Um, it, both things are true at once. And that, is coming to a head now specifically with this idea of finding a platform on social media, which no one really likes to do. (laughs) Like, authors don't get into writing books so they can spend all their time on social media. Very true. I mean, maybe some of them do, but I can guarantee you their books aren't great. So... (laughs) You know, bold. No shame. It was bold, but, cool. But also, like, I, I don't. None of the authors I know in super enjoy social media, right? Yeah. They're kind of on it because they have to be. Yeah, because it's that's a chore. It's a chore, and we love connecting with readers. And we love connecting with other authors. But the fun part typically is writing. Um, and if and if the fun part isn't writing for you, then I have questions. Uh, I have a lot of follow up questions. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I was part of this writer's group for a long time um, in here in San Francisco. And I was one of the only people who was like actively at that time attempting to get published. Um, I was like, querying and all this stuff. It was like my first real big push to do that. And I remember like... Talking to some of them about writing, and they were all writing novels. And one person was like, Well, don't you just feel like writing is like the worst part of it? Like, I like writing is so hard, and it's just like it sucks. I like, I, I, I want to get the story out, but writing is terrible. And I was like, No. no like writing can be hard for sure but I never feel like I'm I'm like disanguinating myself to to do it what anyway it was wild I there are people like that who who write books and I don't get it sounds like an experience it's just a a, one long self-flagellation but um, I digress um I had a point here yes so (laughs) authors, authors don't write books to get on the internet and, uh, spend all their time on social media. We write books so that readers will read books and enjoy them and hopefully tell us how much they enjoyed them. And that's kind of it. Um, but we're in this moment where particularly with what The news that just happened, which is that Elon Musk just bought Twitter, and everyone's flipping out. Everyone's flipping out over like what's going to happen to Twitter, and all these authors out there who are talking about how their platform on Twitter is now going to be destroyed because they're all going to have to leave. And everyone, and I'm getting flashbacks to Tumblr in 2014 um, when when what was it? Yahoo bought it, and then uh, or slash Verizon bought it, and they were like. Oh, God, everyone leave the platform. And then the scare that also happened with TikTok like a year and a half ago, two years ago, or you know, oh, my God, they're going to shut down TikTok. What do we do?
2: Well, like, the original one was Facebook, which was like, oh, yeah. no, now Facebook has taken away my ability to get t- to actually reach any of my readers who are on yes. here.
0: Yeah, and it's, and it's true. I mean, these as much as it is a panic that seems to happen very regularly, it is a very real thing where platforms shift, uh, populations shift off of those platforms onto new ones. Um, I mean, most recently being TikTok, you know, everything. Famously, I think Twitter has never really sold a whole lot of books. But the people who have made the platform on, on Twitter... Are rightfully like, what the fuck am I gonna do? If like everyone leaves, if Twitter's a shit show and owned by this terrible human being, what are we gonna like? What am I gonna do? It's the same thing that's happened to Facebook, where Facebook is now functionally unusable for most people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the only thing
2: is, I, I may be slightly different. I don't have the Elon Musk hate that I think a lot of other people maybe have. Um, you know, so I think I'm actually quite interested to see what happens with Twitter.
0: I'm I'm very interested. I don't ha- I think he's a I think he's a bad person, but I don't hate him. My my thing is he it's gonna run into the ground and it's gonna become like every other social media site. It has an expiration date. They all do.
2: Yeah, um, I can pick These you things, things are think, not
0: built for forever.
2: But I think everything has an expiration date, and I think this, exactly this is exactly. one of the things that we struggle with, in, even in faro fair. You know, it's yes. like you have to you kind of have to innovate or die. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes that even means risking what you've built, and mm-hmm you know and we have these kind of conversations with people who are very actively involved in to be like okay well I think we should just try try this thing and we'll have other people Mm -hmm. being like no but it's so great the way it is why would we risk it and it's kind of like well
0: innovate or die (laughs) yeah I mean that's kind of that's and sometimes you're going to make mistakes but if you don't to make changes like then you are you are just gonna end up sinking um and and i i that's why i think this idea now of finding communities and building your own thing um is more important than ever like it's always been important but in this moment of instability that a lot of people are feeling like oh god like I only have so many people on my newsletter, but I have, you know, 10,000 followers on Twitter. What what happens when all of a sudden no one's using Twitter anymore? What's going to happen to my, you know, my stuff? How am I going to contact readers? And everyone's like... You can find me on Instagram, I guess. But Instagram also kind of sucks. Like, Instagram so- <laughs> sucks the most.
2: I am so over Instagram.
0: Instagram is terrible. I get, I get more traction on Instagram than I get anywhere else, probably. Like, I think I sell the most books off of Instagram. I have, like, no Instagram followers, though. I don't know how the fuck Instagram works.
2: I don't know, because I have over 10,000 followers on Instagram, and I think I sell roughly zero books there so oh that's
0: so wild that's so wild i don't know how any of it works it's i randomly get like all of a sudden i'll get um like a video is just boosted out of nowhere and i'll get like 500 likes on something and it's all i think they're all bots but i can't really tell but i mean if they're, if there's a bots, i think i'm buying books then I mean, I, yeah i don't think they're buying sure how books that but works. I, the, <laughs> Hey, I guess it's good engagement. I don't know. Very strange. I, I'm not saying any social media is good for selling anything, honestly, because I think we are so deep in the hole that I, I don't think really anything works. What works I is TikTok, word of mouth. TikTok works. Well, that's because it's word of mouth, though, isn't it? You are looking at someone's face and you are actively seeing them tell you I loved this book. Here's why you should buy it. That's like going into a bookstore and having a bookseller say, "Here's this book that I loved." Like it's a personal connection. That is what sells books. I agree.
2: I think I think they've also their algorithm is different to the traditional mm. kind of social media algorithm in that they have they seem to be more willing to let more people go viral. So I feel like on the the other platforms, especially mm-hmm. ticked, especially things like instagram mm-hmm. you know you really had to just build it and build it and build it over a, like you had to post day in day out and people were mm-hmm. doing this like follow unfollow strategy and it was like you know it was like yeah a, a game to get big and it was all about the numbers of how many followers you had and that was the kind of thing that everyone cared about um and then you know i so i i, I don't have to go into the detail of this but we you know i got to the point where i was getting like ten thousand likes on my on an on images on um instagram um which are more like just general bookish quotes also yeah terms of social media strategy utterly terrible um Mm -hmm. (laughs) learned a lot but it didn't sell any books but you know but if you then deviate from that content on instagram it won't show it to anyone whereas tiktok seems to be and also it took like a year for them to start showing anyone anything whereas tiktok seems to be much more random in terms of sending people viral much more reg- and sending more people more viral more regularly, even though they might not have that many followers.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're always looking for the next thing, right? I feel like that is their what they're built on, is they're always looking for the next trend because that's where they make their money, which is the smarter thing to do. Instagram is much more geared towards advertisers, where I feel like TikTok is much more geared towards um, viral content, which... definitely has its own evil right just like you know being much more geared toward advertisers um and instagram also is attempting to replicate all the best parts of tiktok and failing miserably um because their tools are terrible i don't making reels is an awful experience making a freaking story on instagram is an awful experience i tried to post something this morning It took me four fucking tries do you know like
2: (laughs) and i on my personal instagram account i literally last year I tried on three separate occasions to upload, like, ten photos at a time. Because, I, like, I don't post that often. And I was just like, oh, I yeah. should probably, like, post and stuff of what we've been up to. And so, I like, but on three, like, three separate occasions, I went on. And, like, every single time I'd be, like, just getting to post. And then something would happen where it would either crash or it would, like, reset everything that I'd yep. done.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, oh, no, I'm out. I, I don't have time That's for <laughs> what's
0: been happening to me on Facebook. So, like, KOT has a, has a Facebook page. And I used to, God help me post you know each you know our little um audiograms on on the facebook every single week and the past two times i have tried since our like um september hiatus uh it it'll do all the stuff it'll do all the work it'll go to upload it and then it'll meet be like oh we couldn't post video and i'm like you know what then fuck your facebook i need you i know i know but they're like okay where else are you gonna go then yeah, exactly. Well, exactly, right? Like there are only so many options. Um and it's so which highlights I think the importance of building your own community. Um which I think is like it's something that is really impressed upon new authors i think like whenever you see like a a listicle like so you want to be a self-published author do you well sit down chum and let's rap about it (laughs) um it'll be like okay first of all like write a book Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever who cares about that then it'll be like hey you need to find friends you need to you need to network you need to make a community um and so many authors struggle with that because like you are just this like floating marshmallow person in the void, like, reaching out to, like, like how do you f- how do you find people that is, it's so difficult? Like it, they're there, but how do you actually make meaningful connections with people? How do you start your own community? That's really hard.
2: It's really hard, and I think it's something I definitely always struggle with because it is it's that kind of very unhelpful advice of like go and find your people. It's like
0: okay, could we um have like a step by step
2: guide for how I go and find my people?
0: How do you find the right people too? Because you're going to find a lot of people.
2: Well, you may or may not find. Some people, and this is the thing about fantasy romance, is there are very few places to go to actually find like mm-hmm. dedicated fantasy romance because it's such a kind of new genre. Um, and then, when, as you say, when you find those people, there's danger that you're going to find people who you don't actually want to find, mm-hmm. <laughs> and either be given terrible advice or kind of get into this weird political hierarchical. We-
0: oh, so caddy the caddiest bitches, man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and
2: and or. You have to start something yourself. And by the way, that is a lot of work.
0: So it's, you know, it's not that easy. No, no, it's not that easy. I mean, I, when I started the podcast, I did not intend for it to be this thing where I sit down with so many cool authors and I happen to make connections with them and a lot of them end up becoming my friends. And I'm very, very lucky with that. And I'm very lucky that I've, then my life is kind of like spider webbed out from there to like, Meeting so many cool people and getting to actually talk to them and get good advice and to share in their victories. Like, that is the biggest blessing of this podcast, has been the people I've gotten to meet through it. Not everyone could start a fucking podcast. Please don't start a podcast. It's not worth it. Do we, listen, I, it's great for me, but it's... Listen, it's a, it's a weird thing to do. You don't need to do it. Um, <laughs> but, but like... So if you are just somebody who, say, is not comfortable putting yourself out there, you're not comfortable making TikTok videos, you're not comfortable starting a podcast, how do you make those connections out of the blue? I think you have... By creating Farrah Feb, right, you have made a really good spot for people to start making their own connections it's a very welcoming community like hopping in that discord everyone's so nice um and you're not gonna make friends with everybody but like you're gonna meet somebody probably and that's a start um also just like the sheer amount of advice like the 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 wealth of advice and experience to be found there is just absolutely priceless.
2: And you know what that's been amazing So two things: one, it is like that. We were really clear very early on, all my way through everything. I'm like, it cannot be hierarchical. So as soon as you get anything there, you have these kind of like big name authors, and we all shall bow down to the big name authors. It just loses any kind of yeah. You know, genuine interaction. I think so. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like that's really important. But also, it's like, well, <laughs> but hang on, we do have some really cool, very experienced <laughs> authors in yeah. here who are very generous with their time, very generous with their experience. And I think because of the like really open, and I guess the just the ethos of like, we're all here to help each other. We're all here to yeah. build this genre together. Everyone is just so open and helpful. And, um, you know, and I think that's the thing we really want to protect. I think when all of the conversations we have with all of the volunteers who run Feb, um, it's always like, okay, but we have to keep this ethos of this kind of openness and helpfulness and friendliness and yeah. professionalism. Absolutely. And, um, but, you know, we really want to make it so that people are helping each other and it's it's not, you know, we're all in this together, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah and it definitely feels that way. I mean, I, I'm i a lurker because I get overwhelmed very quickly. <laughs> There's a lot of people in there. Yeah. Um, but I know that anytime I have a question or anytime somebody tags me in something, I'm more than happy to immediately pop in there because I know that, like, all of y'all are very good eggs. Um, and it's always, it's never going to be... I don't know. It's it's never going to be weirdly petty. It's never going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be in the spirit of everyone building each other up, which yeah. is a wonderful thing. Um,
2: yeah. yeah and, and I mean, it, you know, yeah. we have issues. I mean, I think yeah. one of the really interesting things is the fact that it's so international. And we have yeah. a lot of conversations about like Europeans are blunt and, and Americans are not blunt. And we've had a number of conversations where it's like, someone has said something and someone else has been like well that was rude and we're like and the europeans are like sorry what what was rude
0: okie dokie after a quick intermission <laughs> <laughs> we are back um, all right so where were we
1: i don't know we were talking about farofeb
0: we were talking about farofeb we're talking about community and all that good stuff mm-hmm. i did okay so this is might as well be a good segue it's not a segue it's just a it, it's just a Return, I guess. Um, so, I was wondering, what is the coolest thing that has happened to you uh, because of Pharaohphob?
1: Um. Okay. The coolest thing. I think the coolest thing is probably getting to go to a Polycon this summer. Because yeah? I don't. I mean, I don't actually explicitly know that this is because of Pharaohphob, but I feel like it had something to do with me doing farofeb so i you know i guess that's maybe a projection because i don't know 100 percent, but i don't and i think also
0: if if you didn't have farofeb we would you have gone probably not like is that maybe
1: probably i don't think it counts i don't know if i ever would have been given a table is kind of what i mean um Uh and i think and the other the other cool thing is just meeting all of the authors um yeah and you know, like we're talking about finding community as an author is really important. And without firefab I don't think I would have found the same community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that totally makes sense. Um, I uh, I think that the, I don't know, like for me, like I was saying before, the best part of anything I've done, you know, has been connecting with, with people through the podcast and through my own books and stuff like it, it absolutely is the best part of it because I feel like the – I mean, writing is inherently a very solitary thing. Like, I think even if you are somebody who co-writes, right, like, it, mm. it's, a, it's a very solitary thing. And you hope that eventually down the line someone will connect with you, a reader will connect with you. Um, eventually <laughs> someone will be like, hey, I loved your books. Let's talk about it. And maybe you'll get, like, you know – in total you know a couple hours of interaction a year talking about your stuff with somebody <laughs> right right um if you don't i mean and that's just if you're talking to readers but like the relief of connecting with other writers um and being like oh okay like i'm not i'm not crazy this is sometimes the worst thing in the world this system is ridiculous like how do i do any of it how do you all know how to do it like i feel like yeah. that is the the, the relief of finding people who know what they're doing. Like, it's like being, it, it's like being a lost kid in a mall and like being in the mall is fun. Maybe you'll you'll wander around and see some fun stuff, but ultimately you're still going to look around looking for an adult, right? Yes. <laughs> like
1: yes. Please Show me the way home.
0: <laughs> this was fun for ten minutes, but I have no money. I'm lost. I'm hungry, and everyone's too tall. Please, someone help me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically the life of an author. I mean, yeah, and I mean, I think that you know that kind of relief is really important. So you don't know. You see all these other authors out there being successful and you don't know how they're doing it. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of that is like, what am I doing that is so different to all of these authors who are writing similar books? They're very, you know. Mm. And as an author, you can be like, oh, maybe my books aren't as good. It's probably not that because, you know, so long as you're getting decent star ratings on your books from people who you genuinely don't know, you know, then (laughs) it's... (laughs) chances are your books are okay and I you know I really don't feel often that books are really the differentiating factor um I feel like it's marketing is a differentiating factor
0: yeah
1: and it's very very difficult to know what to do to market your books if you are not that way inclined and a lot of authors myself included are not that way inclined so then you see all these authors doing well and then you might do some Facebook ads or some Amazon ads or some BookBub ads or whatever it is and you're be doing these promotional things and not necessarily getting the traction and being like, just not knowing what you're doing wrong. And I think that for me is one of the other most valuable things about the FIROFEB community. And the thing that I've learned most from them is the ability to say, hey, I'm doing this with my Amazon ads. Why are they not working for me? And mm-hmm. someone else will be like, yeah Amazon's just really random and by the way like I just what what worked for me on Amazon was I just started an auto ad and it just took off for whatever reason and I was just really lucky hmm. and then you'll see someone else be like okay this is my strategy around Facebook ads this is what I do step by step do this then do this then do this and then you can do it and then it will either work for you or it won't work for you but you know that you have followed the methodology of someone who was successful doing that yeah and as you know to your point like the relief of being of of just the knowledge of someone else has tried this and it's worked and I can go back to that person and ask them questions along the way is a massive help for for a lot of authors
0: yeah i mean that's why it's It's not just like this instability on social media right now is not just about, oh, God, I'm going to lose money because, you know, I'm going to lose my connection to readers. How am I going to how am I going to tell them when I have a book out? Right. It's not just about that. It's this existential dread around losing a community that has institutional knowledge. We all have small micro communities that have institutional knowledge. You know somebody who knows somebody who knows something, right? Um, whether that's a big community or a small community, usually it's a lot of s- several small little bubbles, right? In the case of Pharaoh Feb, it's, it's a very large bubble that then can spiral off into many other, tinier other bubbles. <laughs> it's great, um, which is why it's so valuable. Um, and it's self contained and it's not reliant necessarily on um, the whims of a mad rich man who got his money from his parents' diamond mines. Um, like, it's, <laughs> you know, like, it's 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 not about that. So I, this, this idea of losing institutional knowledge, I don't know if most people can kind of articulate that fear, but I think that that is a lot of why so many people who don't necessarily have something to fall back on, they don't have a community outside of this to fall back on, is suddenly very afraid it's not just about losing numbers it's about oh god if i need help who do i turn to
1: yeah yeah and i think there are a lot of fireside is not about making money and no. we have opportunities and we have had opportunities where we're like oh, okay well we could monetize this but honestly i'm just not interested in doing that mm-hmm. because that's not what this community is about it's a massive, and frankly, it's a massive headache, you know, unless it's something Oh, that's oh make, God, the like, moment money gets you know. in there,
0: it is the worst. Uh, yeah,
1: I And mean, then it's, you know, it's just, and that's not why we're here, you know, we're here because we're trying to elevate and celebrate the, the fantasy romance genre and help out authors. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think within that, so as soon as you take that, I want to make money out of it, you know, our whole motivation is not around making money. Therefore, the choices that we make are not around, okay, what's going to make us the most money. And I think that's what a lot of social media platforms have come up against. It's what every company comes up against. That's why we have oil companies who are tearing apart the world and don't care. Because if you look at what the objectives are for the CEO of that company, he gets paid to ensure that that company makes money. Yeah. You know The people who invest in his company get, and it is invariably he, you know, get paid when they make money for their clients. Mm -hmm. So everyone, their motivation is, I need to make money in order to do a good job and I can feel good about myself when I do it, you know, when I make money. And therefore, every choice that flows from there only becomes about, yes, but I need to make money. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think as soon as you take that, and this is why I think the the way that we've set up our financial markets, has kind of got very out of whack um, and I think a lot of people, especially men, <laughs> don't always see the value in doing things that don't have financial return, but I think the things that I've done that that I haven't done for a front just for the sake of financial return have actually been the most valuable so setting up Faro Fed has been one of the most valuable things which has by the way resulted in me being able to make money out of my books. I don't think I would yeah. have ever I, w- I don't think I'd make as much money out of my, and I, you know, I'm not a big name, big selling author um, yet. You never know. I'm just one viral never TikTok know. video away. Um- yeah, I could happen <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have actually learned more through that community that I set up that I intentionally didn't want to make money out of and have made money out of it subsequently. Yeah. But I don't think I would have done that if I'd set out to try and make money out of it, if yeah. you know what I mean. The
0: community investment happen to have financial return for you personally, Um, but it also has financial return for probably a lot of the people who join. So it's not just about one person making money. It's not even about a small selection of people making money. It's about everyone doing everything they can to help each other because all of you benefit from this community.
1: Yeah, because the community, the organization is not trying to make money. The organization, the purpose for us to exist is to help the authors. Yes, that's basically it you know
0: yeah and that's amazing I mean if you if in light of the amount of I mean and this is I don't mean to sound judgmental or anything like I totally understand things cost money to to host things to to Mm. make a website to do these things to you know buy art for stuff like for incentives um everything costs money so I don't begrudge anyone for setting up, say, a community like FaroFab and needing to charge something for stuff, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I don't begrudge that. However, I do think it is really admirable the fact that you have created this community with the help of so many wonderful other authors and have maintained the strict ethos of it's not about that. We'll figure out how to do these things through, like, you know, uh, sweat and tears and blood <laughs> of, of people who volunteer to do it because they also believe in it and they know that the collective benefit is worth it. Um, I don't know. That's really damn wholesome, Harriet. Jesus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's also, I mean, yeah, but, I, you know, I think also. It also comes from a practical point of view to be like, this is never going to make enough money to be that interesting. Oh, you know? oh
0: yeah. No way. No way. Well, that's I'm like when like... people ask me, they're like, well, are you making a bunch of money off the podcast? And I'm like, I don't make a damn, I lose money on this podcast yeah. every month. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's this thing is never going to be, it is... it is not worth the time investment it would take to try and make money off of this podcast, yeah. like in no way I'd rather just keep doing it at a deficit so that I can keep talking to cool people than ever try and make a cent off of it. Not well, worth
1: it. Yeah, because as soon as you do try and make money off it, you have to be driven by the things that are gonna make money. Exactly. And then, yeah. So then you can't do the cool other stuff that doesn't make money because I'm, I'm trying to make money off it so I have to be practical. And I'm like, I don't wanna yeah. be practical, I just wanna do the cool stuff.
0: I want to be weird. I want to be able to say cursed things on this podcast and make terrible merch, um, and and I don't want to be beholden to anybody. Uh, yes. So you know that 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 is what it is. It's it's okay. I don't need to make money off of this dang thing. I get to talk to great people and have a good time and laugh.
1: Um, and it's that's worth more it. important. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah um so i want to ask what what are you thinking i of course you don't have to tell me in explicit detail because if things are surprises then i want things to be surprises (laughs) but i am wondering about the future of pharaoh feb do you have any like grand galaxy brain plans that you can share for what's going on in the future
1: um well um we are planning pharaoh feb 2023 right now um it's going to be very similar to other years uh, we're probably going to change the format a bit. So um, probably so it's been a month long event for the last two years. And um, this year, we're going to move it down to two weeks. So that it's okay. um,
0: more condensed.
1: It's more condensed. And just it's a long a month is a long time to sustain something. Um, yeah. So, you know, so I think the first week is going to be um, a day. I mean, this is all take this with a pinch of salt so other, other yeah. volunteers will be like Harriet stop talking I'm like no we can tell everyone it's fine uh, it's totally fine <laughs> um yeah so I think that like the first week will be one day for each subgenre of fantasy romance because I do not subscribe to the view that fantasy romance is only epic fantasy swords and sorcery another world you know type situation yeah my view has always been fantasy romance or romantic fantasy, and let's not get into the distinction about what is fantasy romance or romantic. <laughs> oh <fantasy.
0: laughs> God, please! But
1: the, for me, the umbrella fantasy romance is any book that has fantastical elements and romantic elements. And yes, some people use the words fantasy romance to mean epic fantasy, yeah,
0: swords
1: and sorcery types or, you know, medieval setting, um, which works so long as everyone else is using that definition in the same way. But often they're not. Yeah, good
0: luck with
1: that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so under that, okay, fantasy romance books are anything that has romantic and fantastical elements. Then we get into, okay, well, it's anything in our world that has, you know, just a little bit of magic through to completely altered versions of our world um, where, you know, monsters walk around among us to um epic fantasy that's set in a contemporary world epic fantasy yeah. set in, you know so and, and i like so this year what we're going to do is have one day for each sort of sub-genre of fantasy romance
0: cool
1: and have different authors all kind of post on one day so that we can do a like celebration of each of the subgenres on on each day in the first week and um, so i'm kind of excited to see um how that goes and then we'd we'll do read a readathon and giveaways and things um.
0: That's gonna be yeah. really cool. I'm just like, I immediately was like, all right, so you guys are going to have like a gas lamp day. You're going to have yeah. like a paranormal day. You're going to have an urban fantasy day. That's going to be very fun. Um, I hope there are costumes involved. I want If you have, listen, if I was in charge, okay, this is why you should never put me in charge of anything, Harriet, just so you know. If I was in charge, what I would do is if you want to post on that day, that's totally cool. The entry fee is you have to put on a funky little costume and take a photo of yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to match whatever it is that you're setting is slash your theme so if it, you have gas lamp you have to put on a funky little fascinator
1: <laughs> and Ooh. maybe a
0: monocle I can get and behind a talking fascinator. about Steph
1: yeah it's gonna Steph. say
0: <laughs> yeah Steph specifically I want to see Steph and
1: Only Steph. Steph, everyone else gets to just like post normally. You have to dress up, I'm afraid. I want a yes. monocle, uh, gas, lamp glass, gas lamp glasses. You know what I mean? Some
0: goggles that you spray painted in your backyard. I definitely mm-hmm. didn't do that in high school. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and then like Vela has to get like a cape. Actually, yep. I think I've decided, I've changed my mind. Everyone who volunteers for Pharaoh Feb needs to take a group photo, by which I mean you all individually take photos in costume, and then I will volunteer to Photoshop you in together. (laughs) Please!
1: Which is amazing, apart from like, I'd say 50 to 75% of the volunteers don't like showing their faces. So we'll have to have like a mask situation. They
0: can wear a mask, they can wear a mask, or they can give me the freedom to uh, put emojis over their faces. Now that is risky.
1: Mm-hmm. for them that's risky. because i could do mm-hmm.
0: a, some damage with that um but i'm here for you if that's i'm happy to volunteer my time harriet that's amazing I'm so happy to do we'll
1: it. add you we'll add you to the volunteer team you can <laughs> yes. with the specialist skill of emojis over people's faces Bye.
0: and cursed photoshop collages now i i went to art school harriet i can do oh.
1: it oh Oh, you have actual real skills! This is amazing. Great. Oh
0: yeah, no, I, I'm definitely also a professional <laughs> illustrator. So there is. That. But, <laughs> how did I yeah. not know that? Oh yeah, well, All right, I don't post you're being art very in. much. I get very self conscious, but yes, I I do those things. So Ooh. I, but I can do I can do really silly cursed things too, though, because I have oh. mad skills.
1: Ooh, how exciting! We can definitely find you for anyway. that.
0: Yeah, and then then the people I don't have like photos for, I'll just draw stick figures in fantastic. Do you know what?
1: Those are my favorite people, though. You know, like someone who's like, "Oh, I'm just," I think we should do this, and you're like, "That's great," and they're like, "Oh, I'll go and do it." I'm
0: like, "Yes, just go and do it. That's wonderful. (laughs) Your initiative—it's so beautiful." I I mean,
1: like check in every now and again to make sure you're not going like wildly off piece in a kind of whoa, you know. But I mean, oh.
0: I'm happy, I am more than happy to volunteer my time. If you want me to design a sticker or something for y'all for Feb for the giveaways or something, I am more than happy. I get intimidated by the size of the Discord, so I don't always raise my hand, but um, I'm I'm happy to do it because I, I think it's a great cause. Um, and also that would be very fun.
1: <laughs> Thanks, I will let you know. We are, yes. yeah, yeah. Sounds great. I've
0: gotten real wild with my own sticker stuff. I listen did you know that you can get glow in the dark stickers harriet
1: i i didn't explicitly know that it doesn't surprise me i feel like because you know there's like things those like star sticker things that you used to put on your roof like as a kid i feel like
0: yeah but i but i can get mine i can do anything glow in the dark
1: oh wow i feel like monster glow in the dark stickers that's gonna be like a whole thing i'm surprised has samness costa already done this because i feel like
0: i don't that she's done in the dark stickers she's done a lot of curse stickers but i don't think she's done that
1: i feel like i yeah. yeah you should do it i
0: uh i recently um by the time this comes out i mean it might might be spoiler i don't care but for my patreon uh my patreon like i do quarterly sticker packs um for some of the tiers and so for one of the stickers for this quarter i did a um The vampire hero from my novella, sort of, that's coming out in January. I he he is full of yearning, um, and he's in love with his gardener, and so he just stands in his bedroom window
1: watching (laughs) Watching his gardener. gardener. And so I I made a
0: I made a glow in the dark sticker of him standing there staring out of the window.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Do you know I've got so many building people here at the moment, and I keep like looking out of the window, and I feel like they think I'm staring at them. I'm I'm not. I'm staring at the progress because I get—I love progress. And you know when like, you can just yes. see something happen? You're like, oh, wow, this is the best thing that has happened to me all week, just watching this progress.
0: Hey, hey, did you see that? I think they brought the fridge in. Did you see that?
1: <laughs> We're not quite there really yet. We're more along. like, they've dug a hole in the ground. Yes, <laughs> this is amazing.
0: <laughs> well, that's what's cool about San Francisco is that we have all of these, like, um buildings that were made after the fire right that destroyed like most of San Francisco and so they threw up a bunch of victorian style homes after that and honestly a lot of them are built badly. Um and they were also not built really to fit the streets. The streets mm-hmm. were sometimes made after the houses were built. <laughs> okay. So that means that the street will be way, way higher than the uh driveway. So if you're ever in San Francisco and you see a driveway that is like a 90 degree angle down into a hole, it's because they built the house first and then they built the street. Oh. Um, it's nonsense. But because of that, a lot of these houses basically get bought and then they have to be completely gutted because like Structural stuff is wrong, or you know, it's just being completely revenue. Wow, re renovated, is <laughs> <Re-venovated? laughs> not a word. Renovated. Um, and so uh, there's there's this house directly across the street from my work. Um, if you go out into the back room, I and I'll just be eating lunch sometimes, and I'll look in the back and I'll just watch, and it is completely gutted like it is n- no walls, no nothing. What? And every day, I'm like. Oh, man, are they putting in insulation today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. I can't wait to see what goes. Oh, my God. Is that sheetrock? Hell, yeah, yeah, sheetrock. Are they roofing?
1: This is my life. This is literally my life. Yeah. we
0: we are so we are, we live exciting lives <laughs> it's riveting and i recently was like i can't believe how much people how many people are on my twitter talking about sports i wish i could mute all sports and even vague mentions of sports because like that's really boring to me and i just don't need to live in a world where sports exist i'm happy to pretend that they don't exist and i'm over here like oh but oh that building though it's really going up huh i'm
1: so, sorry like, guess... podcast
0: listeners <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is riveting in our lives.
0: <laughs> you know what? I It's fine. It's fine. They've heard me talk about way worse. At least I'm not talking about like chuggable werewolf jizz or something. Like that's also happened on this podcast.
1: Yeah. Didn't that happen in uh, one of the Once Upon a Forbidden Desire ones? Did that happen
0: in I think we talked about mermaid, mermaid jizz for a while. Elsie's mm. book. Elsie's Elsie yep. story. Yeah. The Spermaid. Yes. Gatorade Spermaid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm remembering I... vividly.
1: I'm now immediately regretting even mentioning it, honestly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's welcome Hey, welcome to the podcast so, here. <laughs> Thanks. that's most people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at least you're not here with me in this room because usually when I have my friends on, I, they're here and then they have to look <gasps> me in the eye when I say those things.
1: Oh. I mean, yeah. I think that's okay. I don't I'm I I feel like I am looking you in the eye right now though.
0: That's true, but you're not also breathing my air. No, true. Which You know, I feel like really raises the intimacy. It doesn't help that you're seeing a very sanitized view of what's Uh in here right now. Mm -hmm. Um, They see my cursed dollies and my um, various whips and my velvet wall (laughs) and my my um, gifted uh, embroidered cum rag um that nice. my friend got me it's hideous these are all mm-hmm. terrible gifts harriet i don't mm-hmm. want these things but that's kind and of and yet the it's in pride
1: of place in your bedroom you obviously don't want those things
0: oh well i mean how do you throw them <laughs> away you know i don't, I be don't rude. know i don't know was like a box
1: under the bed you know that kind of situation that is i think you quite like that rag
0: well, I do. I it's it right there? next to my Edward Cullen tote bag that's hanging over my head. <laughs> so
1: Edward it's really... Cullen. Those were the days. You see, like, that is what... And I think that's the thing. People who... The whole Edward versus Jacob thing, people who got into that, they are just fantasy romance readers.
0: And... Oh, my God. I mean, that's what how I got into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't... I was a late bloomer with reading, right? And it wasn't until I found... Um, like teen romances, the first one being I Tell You I Love You but Then I'd Have to Kill You by Allie Carter about a girl spy school. Fantastic. Mm. Um, absolutely my shit. Um, but that was still kind of like, okay, we're getting there, but it didn't have a happy ending. Like, he, oh, she, yeah. oh, the poor boy ends up getting his memory wiped by her mother with some drug tea. It's fucked up. Mm. Um, anyway, she goes on to Dark. meet a spy boy. It's great. But uh, <laughs> I, it's a, it's a very long series of of uh, spy girl novels it's fantastic hmm. Um, but uh, I then found Twilight when I was 13 and after that point it was like oh there are previous to that I've just been reading fan fiction because that's where I didn't think that they really published like romantic fiction for people my age and yep. my interests Um, and then Twilight happened and I was like oh my god not only are there books out there for me but also I could write books like this yeah Mm, uh, so i would not be talking to you today without twilight
1: well this is the thing a lot of people in this community wouldn't be doing it without twilight or other similar things it's really funny because mm-hmm. i'm starting a top secret new book platform which i can't talk about but <gasps> um <laughs> oh, now i need to know but i might talk i might tell you about it later um not today um it, and the person my friend who I am starting this with, um, yeah. we both love fantasy romance and romance books in general. And she like stealthily she has all these friends who read like women's fiction and you know, they go to like the bestseller list because it's hard to find books and they just
0: Reese's Book Club. you know. Yeah.
1: And they just read it and they're like, It's fine, it's good, I like reading, you know. And then Stephanie, my friend, is like, just read this one and then they read it and they're like, Huh? <gasps> What is this magic this i want to read more i just want to read this i only want to read this for the rest of my life and you're like yes that's because it has romance in it and you know and it's like it's exciting and fantastical and magical And
0: as a bookseller the amount of times that, that has happened to me where i will talk to somebody and they're like yeah so i read like i read like the vanishing half and it was really good but it was like really heavy and then we read this one and then we read this one and you know they were all like fine and then i go okay well what books have you read that you did like? I'm like, oh, I really liked um, uh, Midnight Circus. Um, and I liked, you know, I I, I like Outlander. And mm-hmm. I'm i like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I go, and he's like, have you read Sarah J. Mass? I'm like, oh yeah, I loved that. I'm like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> but then like, I don't like
1: romance though. I'm not a romance reader. I'm definitely not one of those romance people.
0: <laughs> it's like, And then I have to be I like-
1: wait to break it to you.
0: I have some news for you. The (laughs) results have come in. Call it. Call
1: it something other than romance, but you really do like those books that have those romantic components in them. So,
0: I, what I end up saying to these people usually, because they end up coming back. So, the first time I always say, I'm like, okay, it sounds to me that you like romantic fiction with a genre hook. (laughs) Um, and they're always like, "Oh, yeah, oh, you're right." I'm like, "Yeah, I because yeah, I, because I, got to tiptoe because they're they're scared, they're yep. timid,
1: yeah. I don't <laughs>
0: scare them off. Um, and then and then inevitably the tricky. next time they come in and they're like, "Oh my god, I love that book so much. Can like can you, can you give me another recommendation?" I go, "Yes, my my dove, my little baby bird I cradle in my palm. Let us go over to my curated romance section oh a whole world of do bits. we call it
1: romance at that point though or is it still too early yes yes
0: okay yes because okay. by that point they have usually blown through two or three books that i have given them okay and good. they they are now past like the science fiction and fantasy section there's they i've given them the romantic the actual okay. romantic stuff there okay now now it's
1: time now you can dump right in the deep end it's yes. you know it's like i used to do a lot of rowing when mm. i was uh younger and it was so funny. So everyone who was like a new rower would turn up, and they'd be like, they would look at all the people in all of like the lycra, and they'd be like, I will never be one of those people. I am not a lycra wearer. I shall wear my baggy clothes forevermore. And then oh. the transition. Then they, they realise their just... mistake. <laughs> Every single time, you know, six weeks yeah. later, they're like, look at my new lycra. I look pretty cool in my lycra. <laughs>
0: Look at my tight little buns in this lycra. Yeah,
1: well, because that's what everyone else here wears, so I shall be wearing lycra too. And it's Also, um, there's like amazing. generally a
0: reason for it, right? Like, you don't want baggy clothes on a freaking robot.
1: You really that's, don't. That's you terrible. Don't. Yeah. The chafing. Well, it's just a recipe. Also, it's like really great for like the what we call the blade, the oar, to, you know, hook into said baggy t-shirt. Yeah! And <laughs> that can be nasty. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I, I mean I physical exertion I can't imagine it. Being on water, can't imagine it. Terrified of water. Oh, really? But mm. well I'm t te- i am i the ocean I'm terrified of. Any sort okay. of like murky water where I can't see the bottom freaks me out. We're not meant to be in there. Mm. Um that's not for us. <laughs> if that was for us, we'd be we, fish. <laughs> we crawled out of there millions of years ago <laughs> when yeah, we were good- lungfish. fish. Slapping our fins against the mud, you know. <sighs> we don't go I mean, back. I mean, We're not hippos. We don't go back. I,
1: I mean, yeah, I hear you. I quite like being on the water. Although, like, I we when I lived in New Hampshire, we had a stand-up paddleboard, and every time I went out onto the, the ocean, I would just be like, "Well, this is it. Then this is the time I'm going to get eaten by a great white shark." Yeah, I can never quite find the relaxing. You know, oh, I'm just out on the water experience.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I used to, as a kid, so I, I, I don't know if you know anything about the geography of, like, San Francisco Bay Area, California. I mean, I just,
1: I seem my know nothing.
0: That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so basically, um, San Francisco is on this little peninsula. It's this little spit of land, and this part where um, the the Pacific Ocean Is very, very cold as it flows through the San Francisco Bay. And it is incredibly um, rich in sea life. It's really, really rich in nutrients because it's so cold. It's like this huge flow. And once you get down past San Francisco by about a couple hours, you hit Monterey Bay. Um, We have these huge kelp forests. And basically, Monterey Bay specifically is this really gorgeous, like, nature preserve. There's this amazing, like, all the ocean you can see. It's amazing. And then what you learn is, there's like a like 200 foot drop off like 50 feet from the shore that it just immediately plunges into frigid pure black water where it's full of great white sharks
1: like it's
0: full and there's because the water is so cold and because we have these currents as a kid growing up like we went to the beach all the time the water was fucking frigid it's super cold it's also you grow up hearing how dangerous it is because we have rip currents that basically like without knowing you just immediately get sucked out. So as a kid, like loved going to the beach, was absolutely terrified. Um, and recently, so I'm I'm writing. Uh, I'm planning to write a, a mermaid, a merman romance in in uh, my series in the new year. And before that, I was doing some research on the Farallon Islands, which are um, these tiny, tiny little islands about 30 miles off the coast of San Francisco, and they are. Um, utterly inhospitable they are just like jagged rock and um they're covered in bird shit because there's a bunch it's like a super protected nature preserve now um but around there it is is the tip of what's called the bloody triangle which is where about every like 10 minutes in uh the the season the peak of the season you can see great white sharks hunting like every 10 minutes taking out a seal Don't go in the fucking water in San Francisco Bay. Don't do it. People who do it are insane. And this has nothing to do with romance novels, really, except for I'm telling you it's cold, it's dark, it's dangerous, and I won't go in it.
1: (laughs) And we're not meant to be in the water, so there we go. No.
0: (laughs) I'm not a hippo. We don't go back. I won't go back. (sighs) Well, you know, romance novels about it and what all. Okay, Harriet uh this is your this is your time now that i've had my time to rant about how (laughs) terrible the ocean is it's your time tell us tell us what you've got going on tell us what you're where you want people to go what you what books you have coming out all the good stuff it's your this is your stage
1: so um if you want to check out my books and you like paranormal slash urban fantasy romance with demons, people who who, which are people who reincarnate and so and they club together into these different nations around the world. And they have all this kind of politics um, and history between these different nations um, where there's a soulmate romance um, amidst all of the political intrigue. Then um, you should check out the Ancient Soul series. The first book is Nation of the Sun. The series is complete. It's available on all major retailers. Audiobook um of oh, i didn't know
0: there were audio books there
1: aren't yet but they are okay. wow. coming soon so hopefully before christmas the first book will be done um and um yeah so before the end of the year and um so there's that you can read queen of empire which is the first book in my epic fantasy contemporary series the first series i ever wrote um you can read that for free on all major retailers you can also if you sign up to my newsletter you get a free short story um and if you want to if you're kind of into epic fantasy swords and sorcery i have a series the first book is out kingdoms of shadow and ash which follows fire she has just killed five kings to um take over these five kingdoms and there is a legend that says that when the dragon that when someone reunites the five kingdoms and the dragons will return so she has just reunited the five kingdoms and she's like well I need my dragons and so she is on a quest to find the dragons however she's just taken over five kingdoms so she has this like this like administrative burden that she also has to deal with <laughs>
0: I just say, I have such a soft spot in my heart for authors who write an entire book and then completely discard that book to write the sequel as the first book, which is basically that, right? Where it's like, so all of this stuff happened. This is on its own, obviously its own ridiculous, insane story. We're not going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is what happened afterwards. Yeah, I just... <laughs> so good, so <laughs> well,
1: because good. Then, like everyone does that right you know yeah, it's exactly. like everyone does okay you need to like kill the king so let's like go and kill the kings and like have that story and i'm like i love that story i do love that story in the same way that yeah. i love game of thrones right because it's all about who gets to be king and then i'm like well what happened afterwards yeah you know and i like i don't know i think there are different problems that people don't often explore and i love political intrigue. Um, And that's one one of the reasons why I love things like Game of Thrones, because of that interplay, I guess. Um, And so I wanted that sort of feel, but with a different problem. And, And the problem now is that Fire has to go find the dragons, which means she needs to leave someone else in charge. And she also needs to do all this kind of international relations, where she goes to the different leaders of different areas to who are not in her kingdom that she's taken over. Um, and one of them is a brooding king in the north who does not want to help her. What,
0: Harriet? Is he handsome?
1: He may be a little bit <gasps> handsome, yeah. Who could afford really, foreseen? Very handsome, <laughs> no. oh my and goodness. you know, and all of the other good stuff. He, you know, and he's like, well. You want the dragons, but I don't want the dragons, so good luck finding a dragon egg in my kingdom. Um, And she's like...
0: And also, I imagine, like, just, I mean, this chick rolls up. She has just taken over, essentially, the world, and she comes up and is like, hey, you need to help me. I'd be like, do I, though? (laughs) Do I, though?
1: No, well, that's exactly it. Yes. (laughs) She's like, I've got some stuff going on in my own lands, actually, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, maybe, uh, maybe you should look at, uh, all those kingdoms that you just took over. Okay. Bye.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got some problems at home, by the way, they're rioting in the street.
0: I love it. I love that. I think that's so fun. I mean, I, I, all the way from like that huge scale, right. Of like, clearly there was an epic fantasy that happened before, but we're just going to skip past that. And like, (laughs) that's super, super cool. Right. Um. To the smaller scale, I, I do this mini series that we call the Kilted series, and it's based on a series of, I literally have them right here because I didn't put them away. Um, <laughs> it is a bunch of paperbacks that I got in a paranormal blind box, um, and they are the wildest time slip, ghost, time travel, dream share, soulmate, get your body back romances set in Scotland. Ooh. Um with Medieval Highlanders by Allie McKay. Um, the Craig series they are all in Kindle Unlimited. Please, God, please read them. They will break your brain. Um, but the one we just talked about most recently is about this, this woman who has just been widowed and you find out in like two paragraphs of dialogue that she essentially had her own rom-com prior to this book where she met her husband in, on the plane when she was a flight attendant and he was this like rich american businessman who only wore kilts but his kilt got stuck in the seat belt as he was trying and he needed her help to to fix it and in fixing it he accidentally flashed her because like all people who wear kilts he was not wearing it underneath and then she thought he was so handsome and then he asked her out and then they went out and then they got married and then he cheated on her a whole bunch and then he choked to death on a chicken bone and that is all before
1: Mm. Well, you see, this appeals to me because I love complexity. So, I mean, yeah. do, do not read my books if you don't like quite a lot of plot <laughs> yes. and a, a fair amount of intricacy. And.
0: Uh, you envelop, God. <sighs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for me, that's what I love. And again, it's that like Game of Thrones thing, right? It's that, like, yeah. oh, we've got loads of characters and they've all got their own motivations and they look like, it just. I love the scope of it and all of the twists and turns that you can throw in with that. And for that, there's often a backstory of like, well, this person yep. hates this person because back in the day they stole their betrothed. You know, We're like, oh, yeah. they did for what?
0: Ooh, saucy. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! I, I mean, because that's that's just real life, right? You like, you talk to people, yeah. and everyone has their own backstory, and you're yes. going to have been part of all of it. Like that, that's just how we as humans experience the world. So it makes yes. sense. Um, it is funny though when, when readers I one hundred percent guarantee do you get emails that are like, Well are you gonna write the book about how that all that happened? Are you gonna write are you gonna write the prequel? And it's like, baby, you don't want trust me. You don't like there's <laughs> There's a reason we didn't walk from step A to you know all the way to step X right there's a reason we skipped that yeah um, exactly
1: and it's like it's also like the thing that you as an author feel inspired to write so yes yeah you know it, you've got to have enough enthusiasm to get you through you know 80 90 thousand words
0: yeah 80 that's optimistic that's optimistic 90,000 words yeah I'm like a I'm like a 120 year.
1: Um, Ooh. I hate
0: myself Ooh, yeah. Ooh. oh yeah oh yeah I uh the the vampire novel I was telling you about it was mm. supposed to be 40,000 words and it's closing in on 70 plus so here
1: we go. <laughs> oh you and Bella I mean
0: don't you compare me to that
1: woman <laughs> no that's true don't
0: sure. you compare me to her she's a different animal <laughs> yeah
1: I mean that's a whole nother ridiculous level honestly uh, but I don't. I mean, I just. I think I'm. Yeah. N- I'm lucky that naturally my book somewhere fall And I think the longest I ever did was about 105. And yeah. Um. I just they fall between 70 and 100 every time, really. So
0: I think that's great. I mean, that's where you're comfortable. I'm comfortable at like 115 for my novels. Yeah. Um. And then like 60k for my shorter ones. Usually, I mean, I try to make them novellas, but. I don't know. That's a flexible term. It's, it's flexible. I, I went to I went to write a short the other day, and I was like, "Oh, this will be a couple of thousand words, not a big deal." And, and then I looked at it, and it was like, "Oh, this is almost like seven thousand words long." Great, 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 great. So yeah,
1: well, but this is the thing; it's hard. It's actually really hard. And this is one of the things we found through the anthology was what.
0: Te- oh God! Yeah, you guys put the ten thousand word limit on it like a bunch of mad people. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, because um it made it it theoretically made it easier
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i guess in some ways
1: in some ways and it's like it's at least contained right you know you're like okay i only have ten thousand words to play with um but yeah it's hard it's definitely hard to do
0: well you guys did it well so but i i I did two podcast episodes about how much i loved everything so
1: which is lovely thanks for reading
0: of course of course um it was it was also i i it was really funny too because this morning i was reading a different anthology mm. that um did something totally different and i was it was thrown in stark relief how much i appreciated how thoughtful you guys were with everything that you did and how you laid it out, and all of the content warnings and all of the like different heat levels, and how everything was so clear to the reader, um, and how everything was very, very consistent in exactly what was going to be included in the anthology, right? Whereas this one, I picked it up, and like some of them were just like half finished novels, some of them were like previews of novels, and I was like, that mm-hmm. is this is not what an anthology is, mm-hmm. I don't think it's very strange. Um, very, strange. very very strange mm. but you know what everyone needs to get their Needs to do it their own way i suppose takes all kinds
1: yeah oh, judge. yeah well yeah i'm actually reading your book at the moment
0: oh god what you tell me now
1: <laughs> i actually can't remember what it's called because i can't remember what anyone's books are called including Which my right, own concert, Hang consorts on,
0: glory it's... or f- or fragile beings ones with the hands and one with the peoples
1: Consort's, I think it's console story. So, like the Teddy, Witch. Teddy
0: Margo? Yeah. Which? Yes. Yeah.
1: I love it. Great. So, uh, do you call yourself a monster romance writer?
0: That's tough. I personally don't. I, yeah. I call myself a paranormal romance author. Yeah. However, I, I have been told by various readers that a lot of my characters do, in fact, fall in the monster category. Mm. Um, and I I am hesitant to label myself as such um Mm -hmm. i mean i think that like teddy for instance i mean he's definitely got monstrous qualities he's got Mm -hmm. like claws and fangs and he's got titanium bones and stuff and that's wild but for the most part he's just a dude in a suit so i i i don't i don't know that it really counts but i then again i don't know that any of it counts if you dig in deep enough so i uh
1: no it's just interesting Uh, yeah no i agree i wouldn't i personally was reading it and i was like "Mm, this doesn't feel monstery but i had heard you speak about monster on previous podcasts so it's kind of why i'm like do you think of yourself that way Uh, um but i think it's It's a really hard line to draw you know and and i've seen other authors who have described themselves as more monster whereas it felt it did feel different to like paranormal
0: it's a very specific genre but like and defining it actually is quite difficult.
1: Well, um, and this is with all of fantasy romance, really. Yes,
0: yeah. I mean, absolutely, right? Like, how do you like the difference between urban fantasy and paranormal? Right? Mm. Like, it's uh, totally subjective, and uh, you know. Does uh, anyone
1: have an actual answer for that question? Do you have an actual question?
0: No, no, they don't. And if you try and Google it when you're trying to send out query letters for your first novel and it turns out you've been doing the exact wrong thing for like a year yeah it's great to find out but that never happened to me or anything um i can talk about that um yeah i don't it's very it's very strange um and it's very much like i like i think that if any of my characters are monsters i think like a couple of my heroes from the novellas would be considered like one of them turned into an eldritch shadow monster um that I think would count as a monster romance, I guess. Yeah, but he's also like a soft lumberjack man, so I don't, I don't really know who's to say. All yeah, I know is that yeah. they smooch, and that they do it on the forest floor at one point, and then there's some murder, and that's
1: it. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like a romantic suspense meet
0: that one. Yeah, the, the novellas are this is a wild collection, man. The first one is like he finds his faded mate trapped in a jar um in a in a uh, like a little jar or like a big <laughs> like a little jar okay, like a little jar okay. she's being used as a magical battery um Ooh. and she has been kidnapped and she's been in this jar for a year sitting on this shelf in what is essentially a, a bunk uh paranormal paraphernalia shop um mm. like a wicca store essentially but like in this universe where that is ridiculous, um, and uh, he rescues her, and he breaks open the jar, and he discovers that she is a, you know,
1: his. Does she then like grow to she in Okay, fine. Okay, okay. Yes, good.
0: yes. She's not. She's not Tinkerbell size. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> like, how did that? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: And then uh, it turns out that like the people who kidnapped her try to get her back, and then they end up murdering them both, and it's it's a whole thing. And then and then they do it all for a
1: Now the other thing I want to ask you that you would I had like in the opening of the book that of yours, yeah. which I've forgotten the name again because I don't retain names. Consort, what's it called? Consor-
0: Consort's glory. Consort's
1: glory, right? Yes. Um. So you talk about basic income early on. Yeah. Yeah which is so i was like interesting because i wrote a whole book about universal basic income which oh no shit yeah cool. um which is like my one foray into science fiction romance um and so tell me about i mean you may feel free to cut this from the eventual podcast yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, but so tell me like why so i was just saw that basic income was like oh tell me why tell me where this has come from
0: So my thought is is this really gets into something interesting for me because I recently discovered uh, through several whoopsies and uh-ohs that uh, there's a chunk of readers who think that my books are dystopian fiction. Mm. Um, And that is so interesting to me because although it is an alternate near future, I look at it as a kind of an idealized almost utopian near future where like clearly there's a lot of conflict clearly things have gone wrong but a lot of shit's actually pretty aces Mm -hmm. like universal health care universal basic income um like housing isn't an issue climate change isn't an isn't an issue yeah you might get eaten up by a dragon or something at some point but at least you'll never be like hungry probably um, before that. <laughs> um, and I, I wanted, I thought of like, if you have an all powerful, like elvish monarchy, right. That, that owns this territory where the first book takes place. I, I d- struggled to imagine that they wouldn't want things to be in tip top fucking shape, mm-hmm. right. They would want everything to be perfect. And I, and I think inherently when it comes to poverty and when it comes to lack of access to healthcare, and specifically like things like birth control, those create imperfect conditions. People suffer and suffering is ugly. And I just don't think that elves or any of these super powerful, you know, races would be into that. I think that it would be a matter of personal pride and power to make sure that everything is fucking perfect Mm. um so that's where that came from
1: interesting and where did you come across the concept of universal basic income in the first place
0: (sighs) um i mean just like from being you know politics stuff on the internet i think probably Mm. um and in uh history and and reading about stuff i really like reading nonfiction, um and particularly uh, a lot of stuff i do is based on american history and uh the various experiments with stuff that we have attempted and then discarded um and so a a lot of stuff is based on um like for instance we haven't really got into it but the dragons who have their own territory in Mm. in this alternate version of the united states the reason they have that territory is because they wanted to control the great lakes and they wanted to control all of the main um railroad hubs at the turn of the century because they wanted to control trade Mm -hmm. um so they basically became like railroad steel barons um which it's a whole nother subject, but it tickles me to think of.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing how much. So I, uh, to two points, so it's interesting because you write, you kind of write near future. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a sci-fi mix with, you know, yeah. it's, again, you're mm-hmm. like in a whole separate category, all of your own almost, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm,
0: it's me and Nalini Singh just kind of in a corner. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: Anyway, so one that, but I think also the other thing that I find really interesting is how much authors put their their kind of political views of the world into their work yeah. in like these kind of like slightly sneaky way And just some, a little bit. Sometimes very obvious and sometimes slightly sneaky yeah. ways. And I was reading um the say, so, you know, The Lion The, the Witch in the Wardrobe, the first book in that series is The Magician's Nephew yeah. and literally I just finished reading that to my kids earlier. And the first like one of the last pages was like this warning, which was just almost like the author just talking to whoever was reading it, being like Aslan talking to the kids who've gone back to their world. He's like, first a warning: like your world, this other world has ceased to exist because they didn't look after it. Like your world is not there yet, but it it's going that way. And like,
0: yeah, oh my gosh,
1: it's so right. And he was, I mean, yeah, and it's like it yeah. one of the most blatant examples I've ever seen
0: absolutely i mean those entire but all of those books are the preachiest in the best ways they're yeah. so fun it's like it's so as an adult read them you're like ah, oh, oh okay yeah okay i see i see where you were doing there sir yeah, I
1: see where you got your inspiration uh,
0: yeah, it's very clear. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it has been interesting to me to talk to readers about that kind of stuff and to hear them have completely different ideas of what I was trying to get across, um, which, you know, is valid, right? Like, fine, you, you got what you got out of it. But to hear people be like, well, it's dystopian. Humans are oppressed in this world. And I was like, I I never said that. I, actually, people are doing pretty okay. Um, but I guess it's, it's post-apocalyptic. Just, I guess it's just
1: the notion of, something non-human being in charge equals
0: yeah.
1: subpar yeah. for humans which is quite an interesting exactly. thing. because when the ai comes along and we're all like doing whatever ai wants us to do it'll yeah. be an interesting philosophical conversation
0: yeah we'll have a well have a, it'll be a different conversation hmm. uh we won't probably want to smooch him or will be
1: just... oh there will definitely 100 percent be people who do
0: yeah but you know what? Hopefully by then our AR overlords will be able to consent or not consent to that smooching. Uh, so that'll be... an cool. interesting
1: one, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: hmm That's what, I mean, I actually did a whole episode very early on in the podcast um, on the ethics of uh, having sex with robots. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that was, God, maybe like episode 10 or something. It was really early on. And it was this idea of... How do you get consent from a robot if a robot doesn't have free will? And then what is free will? Like, in regards specifically to having sex, how, like, how do you, where is that line? Um, Like, it is a very interesting philosophical question. It's a lot, it's a question that a lot of people actually are working on right now, which is wild. I also happen to come across at the same time, all the different lack of privacy problems in <laughs> regards to uh, Bluetooth-connected sex toys. It was terrifying. Oh, wow. Those things can be hacked super easy. They're not secure. It's terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, that mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: No, no. Be careful if you get uh, Bluetooth-enabled <laughs> like <laughs> chastity belts <laughs> because somebody can just not unlock it if you get... <laughs> if you can yeah <laughs> like it's <laughs> mm. yeah so uh, mm. anyway <laughs> take that r- romance reader yeah. listener take that with you and remember that they're not secure <laughs> and be careful out there with whatever bluetooth slash social media enabled sex toys you use mm. um
1: and just generally taking any kind of naked photos of yourselves or anything along those lines yeah
0: that's you cloud stuff yeah all cloud of it two-factor authentication is important <laughs> uh, consent from your ai overlords is also important strong um,
1: passwords always have a strong password
0: yeah yeah uh and uh so yeah i think that i think that's the end of the episode okay. it's been really fun harriet it's
1: been super fun thank you so much for having me
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, y'all know where to find my stuff. You can check all the links. You know, I got books and what all. We talked about them. Um, more importantly, if you are a fantasy romance author, you should join Pharaoh Feb. You should be part of the community. Um, all, all the links and stuff will be below. You can join the Facebook page, get on Instagram, like
1: Lurk the best place if you lurk. to go is to go to farofeb, com, and yes. all of the info is on there
0: yes and you can read the blog posts and stuff you can see a bunch of really cool stuff and you can see what's coming up for the next year um,
1: and so if you're a reader you should definitely sign up to our newsletter we send out a monthly newsletter with all you will need to know about uh fantasy romance books
0: yes Yes, it's a great resource for readers and writers, um, great recommendations, and just good people, which I feel like really came across with this interview because I if if nothing else, I think uh, the community is full of good eggs and you all are doing some really, really cool stuff. So I'm extremely grateful and I know that readers are extremely grateful because it means that they get more books. Yay. <laughs> yes, it all works out. Everyone's happy.
1: Everyone happy.
0: All right, well... Y'all, uh, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media/podcasts.